Praise God. Not this week, but next week, we will again have youth class on Thursday night. Uh, that is the plan. So we're continuing to work with youth. So not this week, but next week, we'll have youth class again on Thursday night. Amen? Why don't you grab your Bible with me, please? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, the Word of God is a living Word. It's a living Word when it reaches to where we are. We open our spirit to receive of His Word. His Word can come alive unto us. So it becomes to where it's no longer just words on paper or just words we hear with our natural ear. But it's living word. It reaches into our spirit and our life where we are. There have been times, I'll give you an example of this that we see often. There have been times where I've ministered, whether here or somewhere else, and have had multiple individuals say, oh my goodness, all that, that was exactly for me. It's like it was just for me. It's like it spoke right to what I was dealing with and going through in my life. I mean, it was like just for me if nobody else. And then I'll have somebody else say, maybe not the exact same words, but the same gist, the same idea, and have two or three people express that. Well, what is that? Is that because, oh, wow, you know, that's pretty amazing. No, that's not me. You understand that. That is the power of the Word of God and the Spirit of God with His Word. The Word and Spirit reaches to where we live, and it becomes very relevant to our life. We don't change the message of the Word of God to make it relevant. I'm going to say that again. We don't change the message of the Word of God to make it relevant. The Word of God that's alive is always relevant. And so when the spirit and word mix and agree together and we open our spirit going, God, help me. I don't want to just hear with my ears naturally. I don't want to just process stuff in my intellect naturally, but I want my spirit. You and I are made up of body, soul, and spirit. And for me to ever fully walk in the spirit and be used of God, I must learn what it is. To listen with my spirit. I said, man, how do I do that? The natural man goes, okay, tell me what to do and I'll do it. It really is as simple as this. It's like I'm opening my spirit in faith. God, I believe that you know where I am. You know, God, how I'm made. You know where I am in life. And I believe that you and your word have all the answers that I need. And so I'm opening my spirit, God, reach in and speak to me. And when I take that attitude and approach to God, his word begins to come alive to me. Now, if I'm just seeking to gain intellectual knowledge, it doesn't happen that way. But when I'm seeking to receive of the word and spirit of God, he begins, to, the word comes alive to me. John 1 tells us the word was made flesh. The word came alive. Christ was the word in the flesh, the living word of God. Amen. So I want him to do that today, and I believe he will. The book of 2 Kings. 
I woke up yesterday morning. Thank you, Jesus. I woke up this morning, too. Uh, everybody's like, well, duh. But I, I woke up yesterday morning, and I, most of you know I'm an er, I wake up early, generally speaking. And so when I wake up, I, I have this thing that I do when I wake up, which is I listen. I, I really do. When I wake up, I don't, I, I don't move right away. Uh, but usually when I wake up, I'm wide awake. And, and I'll try to be still right there when I wake up and just listen. I, I'm, I'm listening. I want to I hear, you know, the Lord is always present. You believe that? Believe that God is everywhere? He really is. He's the omnipresent God. And so I, I want to wake up listening for his voice. I want to wake up in tune with him. And so when I wake up, I try not to move right away. I just wake up listening. And, and sometimes it's a song that's in my heart, but oftentimes there's a thought or a scripture that comes to me when I wake up. Not always, but often, quite often. So yesterday when I woke up, I had this thought come to me. And the thought came to me in the form of a question. And this was the way the question came to me. You're going to think I'm crazy because I'm, you're going to think like that's what you think when you woke up. But this is how it came to me. I woke up and this question came. Isn't it an interesting thing that iron could be made to swim? And now some of you are going, he is crazy. Elder has lost his mind. And he's going to try to tell us God was talking to him. And we're going to sit here and listen to him. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's, that's honestly, that was what, that was the, well, I know when the Lord asked me a question that he's trying to reveal something to me or he's wanting to tell me some things. And so, 2 Kings chapter 6, he had my attention with that question. And so it's been marinating in my spirit through the course of the day, yesterday and last night and this morning. But watch 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 4. This is speaking of the prophet Elisha when it says he there in that first verse. You see that there? So he went with them, them or some of his servants, what the Bible here in 2 Kings calls Elisha's servants. There were people that supported him, worked with him. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. Verse 5. But as one was felling a beam, now this is King James English, we don't use those words. Felling a beam means he was cutting down a tree. They didn't have chainsaws. They were cutting wood, his servants. As one was felling a beam or cutting down a tree, the axe head fell into the water. See that? Some of you didn't know this was in the Bible, did you? The axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. You ever borrowed somebody's stuff and broke it? Or worse yet, somebody borrowed your stuff and broke it? Every once in a while... I, some of you know I like books, and I got a bookshelf in my house, and I got a few bookshelves. And 
sometimes, like after my kids have come over, I'll, I'll go look and I'm like, one of my books gone. Now, it doesn't mean there's always one gone. I'm just a little paranoid about my kids looking at my, some of them are more apt to do that than others. And um, sometimes when you ladies, I know sometimes the ladies would come and meet at our house sometimes for prayer. And I know some ladies would be looking at my, looking at my bookshelves and I'd get a little nervous just to be honest, Sister Priscilla. Amen. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, right, you know, when somebody borrows something of yours or you borrow something, you would hope that you can return it in the manner which you received it or vice versa, that it gets returned to you. Matter of fact, sometimes you learn, you know, I'm not letting that person borrow my stuff again. Well, so I just say that so you can, I want you thinking about that emotion of, right, that you would have. And so here's this guy, he's cutting down a tree. This is real life. This is happening. They're doing a work and he's cutting down a tree. And when he does, I don't know if the ax head flew off or if the whole thing slipped out of his hands. I'm not sure what happened, but something happened and it fell into the water because they were by the Jordan, the river. And it, you got this picture, this really happened. It fell into the water, and when it did, his first thought was, oh no, that wasn't mine. I borrowed that. Maybe he didn't have the money to buy one, hence the reason he borrowed it, and now he's feeling like, man, I'm in a worse predicament than I was already. It was a real need. Do you think the Lord's concerned with your real needs And so he cries out. You hear his anguish in the moment when it happened. Right? You ever have something like that happen? <gasps> this is what happened. I don't know that he said it like this. Alas, master. I, I know this is King James English. But whatever he cried out, here when he would have said master, if we would have read the other verses, which we didn't, we would know he's crying out to Elisha that was there with him. And he's oh, this, in plain English, he's saying, oh, no, Elisha. That wasn't mine. I borrowed it. Now watch verse. I just want you to see and feel the situation here. And the man of God, that's Elisha, said, where did it fall? Where did it go? And he showed him the place in the water where it went. And so the man of God cut down a stick and he cast it in the water in where he saw that the guy told him it had fell in. And what is that last Part say. And the iron did swim. See, some of you thought I was crazy too. Now you know that's in the Bible. And I woke up yesterday and I felt the Lord asked me the question, isn't it a strange, isn't it a peculiar thing, an interesting thing? that iron could be made to swim. Do you believe that really happened? Do you believe that happened? Some of you are going, I don't know. I believe it happened. I believe every word of this book. I believe it's the infallible word of God. It is truth. And that happened. That simple 
truth, this place is recorded for you and I for some purpose. We see people going about their day and an unfortunate event takes place. And there are emotions tied to that unfortunate event. There are relationships that are affected by that unfortunate event. And the man who the event happened to, the one who was affected by this, he cries out. And his cry is, oh, master, it was borrowed. And his life circumstance that maybe you're going, oh, it was just a borrowed axe. It's not that big of a deal. Get over it. No, it was a big deal to him. Because it affected his life. And how it affected his life, it could possibly affect his relationship with someone. And so this circumstance, he cried out. And the man of God said, where'd it go? And he cuts a stick and he throws it in. And the iron did swim. A miraculous thing just took place. I don't, I don't know if that's dawning on you and I. You under, we all understand iron doesn't swim, right? We further understand iron doesn't even float. It sinks. So no doubt it had sunk. Not only, it wasn't like it sunk in stagnant water. It sunk in the Jordan, which was a river that moved. And he said, where did it go? He cuts a stick, throws it in. The Bible says the iron swam. Verse 7, we should read that part too. Therefore said he, this is Elisha, said to the man, take it up to you. And he put out his hand and he took it. Now, we believe that took place. I know that took place because the Word of God declares it. God was so interested in someone's individual circumstance that God said, I will get involved, and I don't care what the laws of nature say because all of nature is subject to me. I don't care what physics says. I don't care what science says. I don't care about everything that the natural world says is supposed to be. I'm going to get involved in this individual's life because this circumstance affects them and they belong to me and someone believed in faith and acted in faith and so I'll go beyond my own created laws of nature and science and physics and whatever else you want to fill in there and I'll do a miracle. And that's exactly what took place. And isn't it something that you and I can let God get involved in our lives, but we struggle to believe beyond what we can comprehend in our own thinking? And we limit God to what we can comprehend and what we can think and what we can believe and what we know to be reality in our world. Forgetting that God is able to step beyond the bounds of reality as we know it and step into a place. God operates in the supernatural because he is supernatural. Do you believe that? But isn't it something when we have a circumstance, a need, an event in our life that we need something from God, we automatically begin thinking in terms of how it should work in the world system. We begin thinking in what needs to take place in the world system. We begin thinking of our own ways that God should solve our problem in our own human thinking. Rather than going, God, you're God, you can step into the miraculous and do what I could not even think possible. I am convicted by the Spirit of God. 
I, I made this statement. We touched on this. This is probably tying into some of what we talked about Thursday night, but I, it hasn't left me. We have to put God back in his proper place as God and believing him to do anything and trusting him for all things. Say that again. Trusting him for all things. I, not all things. When you get a headache, is your first thought of the Lord or of the Tylenol? I don't walk out and say an elder was preaching against Tylenol. I'm just asking you this question. What's your first thought when that happens? I, I'm stubborn. I know some of you are too because you're human. That's why I know it. And some of you I know a little better than others, so I really know you're stubborn. I'm stubborn. I finally decided along the way, I get a headache, I'm not taking anything. I, I was, now, I'm not telling you to take this and go out and say, oh, elder said don't do this, don't, I'm, hear me. I, I just decided, no, I'm done. God, I'm, I'm I got to be able to believe you for this. And so I just, I just got stubborn about it. And I'm like, I can endure a little bit of headache until you, until, you know what? This is the honest and truth. I can't tell you the last time I've had a headache. I can think of a time maybe a couple of weeks ago where I got a little congested with my, uh, you know, sinuses or something. And I could feel it, but I'm like, no, I'm not taking anything. I just determined, Lord, I want you to interact in this. Now, am I telling you I've never taken medication for years and years? No, I'm not telling you that. I've taken stuff along the way. But I want him in his proper place. I want to look to him, not last. What is it in your life or mine that you're looking for an answer, searching, trying to solve, trying to fix, trying to get in order, where Maybe you'll pray about it, but you're doing all kinds of stuff, going all kinds of places, scrambling every which way. You got an idea of how it could work, how it should work, how it might work. This would fix it. This would make it better. This could do it. What about the God factor? I don't even like saying it that way. What about involving the Lord who sees it all? He still is a miracle-working God. He made iron swim. I can't explain that. But he's still, if he can do that, here, go with me to the book of John 11. I want to hurry up and just. John chapter 11. And let's read verse number 11. Let's start there. This will be familiar to some of you. John 11, verse 11. Jesus is talking to his disciples. These things said he, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Okay, verse 12. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll do well. Or isn't it good if he's resting since he was sick? Howbeit Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he'd spoken of taking rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And 
I want you to watch the next words of Jesus right here. Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. Is that what he said? He wasn't glad, just glad Lazarus is dead. This is why he was glad. I'm glad for your sakes that he's dead. Why? I'm glad for your sakes I wasn't there. What? This is your friend you love, you cared about. And he died and you weren't there and you're glad you weren't there? No, 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 you don't, don't twist my words. I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there. I'd have liked to have been there, but there was something for your sake. And so I'm glad for your sake I wasn't there. Why? To the intent that you may believe. There's some things about me I've told you, but you don't believe them yet. And so for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there because I'm getting ready to do something and show you something I need you to believe. And so I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there and he's dead because you're going to believe some things now. Nevertheless, let's go. It's almost like he's a little frustrated with him. That's how I, nevertheless, let's go. You understand Jesus allowed whatever sickness Lazarus was dealing with to take his life. And he did it so that he could make those who knew Lazarus and knew him believe in him more deeply or more fully. Skip down to verse 20. So Jesus and the disciples go. Mary and Martha happen to be the sisters of Lazarus. And Martha, as soon as she heard Jesus was coming, she went and met him. Mary stayed in the house, verse 21. Then said Martha to Jesus, Lord, I want you to watch her words. Notice, Lord, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. If you would have been here, he would not have died. Verse 22. You ever said something to the Lord in regret? Then you try to build yourself back up with your words. You're trying to build your faith by talking to yourself or praying. I almost feel like that's what Martha's doing. But I know that even now, whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. Sounds like she's got faith for the situation, doesn't it? And so Jesus responds to her, your brother shall rise again. And Martha said, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. It's like she had a moment of faith, but then it left when he said she'd rise. I mean, he said he's going to rise again, but her faith wasn't for the present. It was for the future. He was trying to give her faith for the present. But her faith was down. I know. I mean, it sounded like she believed for the present. I know whatever you ask of God, he'll do it. But then the doubt that she was warring with in her heart and the grief and the loss revealed itself when he told her he'd rise again. I know that he will in the last day or in the resurrection at the last day. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. And the life. Notice these words. 
He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I have a question for you. Did Lazarus believe in him? Lazarus died with what he needed to come back to life. Do you realize that? That's what Jesus just said. He that believeth in me, though he were dead. See, Martha didn't hear that. She missed it. But Jesus was trying to reveal something about himself. Martha, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Man, she could have latched onto those words and said, Lord, he believed in you. He was trying to reveal something about himself. Let, 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 let's read on. Oh, watch. Verse 26. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Oh, he turned from Lazarus to Martha really quick, didn't he? Do you believe this? Do you believe these two things I've told you? Whoever's dead that believes in me and he that lives and believes in me will not die. Now watch her response, verse 27. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Did she answer his question? <laughs> she was affirming her belief in who he was. But she wasn't affirming her belief in what he just told her. And you know what? She's as human as you and I are. And what happens to us is exactly what happened to her. Often we don't deny our belief in him. But we struggle to believe he can do what he says he'll do. That he can step beyond the natural elements that he can make iron swim, as it were. Skip down to verse 32. So she goes back to the house. She tells Mary, Jesus is coming. He's asking for you. And so Mary gets up and goes running to see him. Verse 32. When Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. And I want you to notice what she said. See if this sounds familiar to you. Mary falls at the feet of Jesus, and Mary says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. Have you heard that before? Where did you hear that before? Where? Martha. Martha. Here, come here, Brother Lewis. You be Martha. I'll be Mary, so I'm not just picking on you. All right. No, we're not Mary and Martha, but you, okay, I just want you to understand how this works among us sometimes. You know, I think if Jesus would have been here, Lazarus would still be alive. What do you think? Yeah, and I think they talked about that. They had, they had several days to talk about that. And so they talked about it, and they, they were grieving together. And they were grieving together and they're having these conversations, ripping each other's faith down instead of building each other's faith up. Oh, oh, if Jesus would have just been here, if he'd only been here, right? And back and forth and they're feeding off of each other. 
to the point to where they're saying the same thing now. Martha said, Jesus, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. And then a few minutes later, when Martha's gone and Mary's there, Mary's saying the exact same thing. If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. I'm guessing they've been talking and they haven't been building each other up. Hmm. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. They were thinking he was just going to go pay his respects. Skip down to verse 38. We've got to see this. We've got to get Jesus back in his proper place. Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time he stinks, for he's been dead four days. See, she's still thinking in the natural. She's still stuck in the natural plane. She said earlier, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. That was not what he asked her. Do you believe that I'm the resurrection? Do you believe that I'm in the life? Do you believe that he was dead, will live? Do you believe that? Well, Lord, I believe who you are. I'm not asking you to stop at believing where I, who I am. I'm asking you to believe in what I can do because of who I am. And there's got to be something that happens in our spirit in this day and hour that says, I know who he is. Thank God. Guess what? The devils believe in one God and they tremble. But I've got to move past believing who he is to believing what he does and what he can do. And that with God, all things are possible. I don't know your circumstance, situation, need, sickness, bondage, affliction, disease. You fill in the blank. But I know that God is able. Martha is still stuck in the natural. Lord, if you're going to move that thing away, it's been four days. He's, Jesus tries to bring her back. He is so much desiring to bring a belief in what he can do that he told the disciples, I'm glad that he died. I'm glad he died for your sakes, for the intent that you would believe. Did they believe in who he was? Yes, they believed in who he was. That's why they were following him. But there was something more. He was wanting them to believe beyond who he was. They wanted to have a total confidence in what he could do because of who he was. And if I'm not careful... I will become religious. And religiosity is believing in who he is, but not believing what he can and will do. I can quote the scriptures. I can point to who he is. I can tell you all this stuff about him. But when it comes to my life and my circumstances and my loved ones and situations, I don't believe in what he can do. I just try to tell him who he is, tell him who he is, tell him who he is. But my life says, I believe who he is, but I also believe what he can do. There's got to be 
a recognition of what he does. He brings her back, verse 40, and he said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I knew that you hear me always. Watch, watch. But Jesus, these are Jesus' words. He's praying. I know you hear me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you've sent me. Next verse. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with great clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Do you believe that happened? Do you believe that happened? Amen? Do you believe Jesus did that? Isn't that a miracle? He made iron swim. He did that. And he made a dead man come back to life who had been dead four days. That's a miracle. We got a couple nurses in the room. Well, one. I don't know if we got other nurses here right now. What happens to a dead body that's been dead for a day? What about two days? What about three days when we don't have the science and all that's in place today to try to preserve and do stuff? What happens to a body that's been dead four days? Decomposition. I'm imagining the blood is not flowing any longer. I'd imagine that any blood that's there is clotted and dried up and caked. I'm not trying to be gross here. I, I think we read this scripture and we miss the fact that when Jesus said, I am the resurrection, but he didn't stop there. I am the life. Do you know the source of life? The scripture declares to us life is in the blood. But we know if we go back to Genesis chapter 2, God formed man of the dust of the ground and man, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. God, we know, is the source of life. And he was standing there in front of Mary and Martha and the crowd that was weeping that were saying, if you would have been here. And that is so indicative of our human nature sometimes. God, if you would have been here when it happened, it would be okay. But I don't see how you can do anything now that we're past the point of the event. And we limit God to our present rather than recognizing God can reach into the past. He can reach into the future. And no element of the natural world is free from being subject to him. God can step beyond the barriers of what we see in our mind. It's the danger of intellectualism. I think I know science. And science is made by God, not the other way around. 
and I think I understand. And we start putting our thinking and our belief in God and His ability into the box of this world system. We put him inside of the world financial system when we have financial challenges. We put him inside of the world's medical system when we have medical challenges. We put him inside of the world system when we see people with mental health issues. And we keep putting him inside of a world system, believing that God is somehow limited by what man can create and do and think up. I would today that by the grace of God, there would be a quickening in our spirit that says, I believe in God to reach beyond the natural, to reach beyond the realms of this world to reach beyond my understanding I don't just believe who he is I believe in what he can do and he spoke to a man that had been dead four days and a miracle took place to where blood began to course through the body again do you understand this I know we can't understand it here, but do you recognize the truth of this word? When Jesus spoke, the living word reached into that tomb and laid hold on that body that had been dead for four days and caused liver to start functioning again, the lungs to start working again, the blood to start pumping again, the heart to begin working, the brain to be, you know, they talk about people that have been kept on oxygen, but their brain dead. And they can't bring them back or they say we can bring them back. But because their brain was cut off from oxygen, they'll never be the same again. Right? You've heard some of these stories. Lazarus had been dead four days. Oxygen had been cut off from his brain for four days. Blood had been cut off from his entire extremities for four days. The heart hadn't pumped for four days. The lung, you get it, every part of his body had not been working for four days. They had all shut down. I'm not talking about this, oh, they shut down for two or three minutes and they shocked him back to life. Four days, nothing. You believe this happened? I believe it happened. And it happened to the intent that you might believe. Would you stand with me this morning? Mm. Mm. feel like for some of you this morning there are things in your life where you're like man if God would have been there last week it probably would be different if God would have been there five months ago when I fell into that and all that stuff happened it would be different if God would have been there 15 years ago when I started down this road that got me into this situation that I'm still in then it would be different that's the voice of human reasoning. That's a voice of human reasoning. Solving our situations by our own idea of what God could have done if he would have been there then. I have news for you. He was there. Mary and Martha kept saying, if you would have been here, if you would have been here. And they're looking right past the fact Mary, I'm here. 
Martha, I'm here. You're talking about if I would have been here. I'm here now. I'm present right now. What are you needing? I'm here now. Well, what I needed was four days ago. No, you're misunderstanding. You're thinking in present time. I am not bound by present time. I'm not bound by present nature. I'm not bound by intellectual. I'm not bound by the world system. I don't care if what you needed was a week ago. I don't care if what you needed was 15 years ago. I am here right now. God was saying to them in the man Christ Jesus, I'm here. Stop looking backwards and saying, if. And start believing now I'm present. I'm telling you, there is a present God here this morning. And no matter the need, God is able to reach into your circumstance. God can reach into your life. There is healing here this morning. There is deliverance here this morning. God can go back 15 years to when bondage started. And he can break the bonds 15 years ago and set at liberty today to where you walk in freedom today. He can go back to a sickness that started with a generation before that was passed on and now you say, well, it's hereditary and I've just stuck with it. I'm telling you, he can reach back. He can reach in if you would reach out in faith today. Come on, he reaches beyond the elements. He reaches beyond our understanding. He reaches beyond our comprehension. Let us see beyond the present and see in eyes of faith. In the name of Jesus, come on, talk with him. Come on, talk with him. Would you be bold enough to express your confidence? Lord, I believe. Maybe you're like the man with the son that was possessed of devils. And he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm opening this altar to you this morning. Would you respond to the present God? Would you respond to the I am? Come on, he said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He was trying to help them understand, I am present. I am present. Stop thinking in yesterday's regrets and what ifs and have faith for who I am now. Come on, is anything too hard for him? Is anything too hard for him? I believe if nothing else, the scripture in 2 Kings is there with the iron swimming for us to recognize the elements are subject to God. God, I don't have to be able to explain what you do, I believe. I don't have to be able to explain how you work, I believe. My belief is not predicated on my being able to explain it. My belief is predicated on you being God. My faith in who you are and your word and what you've done and what you'll yet do. I come to you again. You are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth. You are Jehovah Shalom, my peace. Come on, he's all of those things.